Blog Talk Radio. Son of God, 
and that um, and that the Holy Spirit is now working in the lives of the disciples. He's also teaching that that number one, Jesus fulfills the Old Testament prophecies. He is also fulfilling uh, or has fulfilled the some of the feasts of the Old Testament. And so when we look at those things, we have to stay focused on those things. And even as we read through from chapter to chapter, I want you to look back and say, okay, so why is he writing this again? He's writing this to confirm to Theopolis what has already been taught, what Theopolis has been taught. Okay, so remember that. Now, we want to pick up right where we left off last week, and I'm going to kind of skate through the, the back half of that simply because we are falling a little bit behind. Um, we'll go back to Acts chapter 2, or Acts chapter 3, excuse me, and we're going to um, take a look at the at the back end of it because last week we spent – a lot of time talking about witnessing. Uh, we opened up that scene last week with the uh, with the uh, uh, beggar who was asking for alms, but he got saved, and well, he got healed. Excuse me. And so I want to pick up right where we left off because we left off in the middle of of Peter's sermon, and so I want to I want to pick up right at verse. I've made it through about the 20th verse, but I'm going to pick up at the 17th verse where he has, where um, Peter has already preached and confirmed some things for them. And now he says in verse 17, and I'm at um, Acts chapter 3, verse 17, it says, And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would, would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for rest, restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to the prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. So what's he, what, what, what's he saying here? First of all, and I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to summarize this sermon real quick. Peter tells them that God glorified Jesus, but you delivered him up. You denied him. You desired a killer. But even after you delivered him to death, 
God raised him up. And then he says, because they were asking, they, they were trying to figure out, why is this lame man walking? And he says, faith in his name made this man whole. It wasn't us. And then he goes on and he says, what God foretold, Christ fulfilled. If you go back into that, the, the, the whole thing and begin at uh, verse 11, and go all the way through. That summarizes the preaching of Peter. Now he he says he he said he he then goes on to quote a passage in Deuteronomy chapter chapter eighteen verse fifteen. Let's flip over there real quick. Deuteronomy chapter eighteen verse fifteen. I'm moving fast because I only got a half an hour. 18, verse 15. The Lord your God, this is Moses, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. So Peter quotes that, and he goes on and he says, and if you don't listen to the prophet, then you're going to die. And Peter quotes that, and he says, so what do they do? You must repent, and God will send Christ into your life. Failure to heed this word that we're giving will lead to death. Listen, live, and receive the blessing. There's one more thing that I want to point out to you that he says. He says, um, he says God sent it. First to you. In verse 26, God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. You see, what he's saying here is that once again, God has favored you, Jewish nation, by sending Jesus to you, even though you rejected him, and you rejected him in ignorance, but now that you know that he is the fulfillment of prophecy, now that you know that he is the Messiah, you are now being restored to a position where you can fulfill the promise that he made to Abraham. Because what does he say to Abraham? In you, all nations shall be blessed. Jesus has come to you so you can be what you were originally supposed to be, and that is a light that shines in darkness that brings blessing to the nations. You can listen and receive and live, or you can ignore die. That's it right there. That's what he says. Now, now let's press forward and move to the fourth chapter. I'm going to start reading that at, at, at 4.1. And as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, 
for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all those who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Now, let's, let's set this scene up again. First of all, tonight's lesson is called When the Message is Contested. And the thing that we learn here is what we are to do when our message. Because remember now, this is God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, working through man, his disciples, to further the message of salvation. This is the witness that God has for us. The miracle, as we stated last week, opened the door for the witness. Because when the people saw the lame man healed, they went to temple, and, and the man was, this man that had been laying by the beautiful gate all of those years comes into the temple leaping and worshiping and praising God. After temple was over, there was a lot of questions that needed to be answered. And so they gathered on the portico called uh, uh, Solomon's portico, and there Peter preached the sermon that we went over, and now they've arrested Peter. Now, who arrested Peter? Good question. It was, as they say, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees. Now, let me, let me, let me, let me set this up a little bit for you. The Sadducees were the, uh, the party of arist aristocratic priests. The Sadducee were the conservatives of their time. The Sadducee were the rich priest, whereas the Pharisee were usually the poor ones. The Sadducees had, had power because of Rome, and it's the chief priest, or the high priest as we call them, who, who, who was in charge of the Sadducee, but he really wasn't in charge because he was appointed by Rome. And the Sadducee can be described as the law and order party. They were conservative in their thinking. They were supposed to be real, real sophisticated. But Josephus says of them that they were crude, they were coarse, they were loud, they were quarrelsome, they were vulgar, and they were violent. They were the party that you were kind of like, we're going to stay in power, and we don't care what we have to do to stay in power. And they were, a, they were a party of compromisers simply because, whereas in the Old Testament, the high priest was from the family of Aaron, but these high priests were not appointed by God. They were appointed by Rome. Specifically, this high priest was appointed by Herod. 
And their sole concern was, we don't want to piss Rome off. We, We enjoy the rule over this area, and we're keeping it. Now, the temple guard and the, and the priest, these were people who, who were in charge of the precinct around the temple. So they governed what went on in the church itself. So when, and now when you get in, into the next verse, it says that it was Anus, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander. These were all the priestly family. Now, Anus is not really the high priest at the time. It's Caiaphas who is the high priest. Anus is Caiaphas' father. But the priesthood was traveling down through the family. And after Caiaphas wasn't going to be the priest any longer, it would be John. And and, and, And then Alexander, we're told, is like one of the heads of the temple. Now that we know who, who these guys are, we want to see, they asked us, they, they, they asked a question. They said, by what name are you doing this? Now, before we go into answering that question, I want to say something to, to each of us tonight, and that is this. If you think that witnessing and I got to be real, real upfront with you. If you think that witnessing is just going to be hunky dory and it will never be contested, you got nothing all coming. Because when you witness, what you are doing is you are exposing the truth of God. And Jesus said that your witness would be contested. Not only that, but you would be persecuted. He warned us of this. And this, again, is prophecy being fulfilled. You know, sometimes we think that all prophecy and and all foretelling is good stuff and everything's going to be great and the Lord's going to bless us with this and the Lord's going to bless us with that. Well, guess what? The Lord has already said that you're going to have some trouble. There's going to be some tribulation. There's going to be some trials. Think I'm kidding? Turn to Matthew chapter 10. See, when he was teaching the disciples, he, he, as they say, he, they went in this, into this thing with eyes wide open. Turn to Matthew chapter 10. See, God's looking for some committed people. And there's no need you jumping up and down talking about, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, and think that, you know, just by the power of the Holy Spirit it's going to happen. No, the Holy Spirit will sustain you through your trials. But you're going through. And I know we don't like this, but Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Here, behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, Do not be anxious how you are to speak 
or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your Father speaking through you. Want a little bit more? Turn to Mark 13. Jesus had warned them, this is going to happen. Guess what? As we move forward to do the work of God, we are going to encounter some obstacles. We're going to encounter some folk who are being, as they say, who, are, who the devil is manifesting himself in them. Don't worry about them, they said. He said, uh, go to Mark chapter 13, verse 9. But be on your guard. For they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. So we can be confident that, number one, Jesus says that, first of all, that he would be with us even until the end of the world. Second, he's given us the Holy Spirit to, to, as they say, to teach us what to say, but not only that, but to bear us up doing that time of trial. It is God with us and God in us, and we are a part of his kingdom plan as we advance it before God. And he says, you're going to suffer. But what does he say about suffering? If you suffer with me, you'll reign with me. Let's keep going. Ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to even make it through the first part of this tonight. Oh, I was hoping to get more done tonight, but my time is running fast. So we know that the council asked them the question, by what power or what name did you do this? And, and he answered them, he says, by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead. Let's talk about this name thing. You see, one of the things that we do is we operate by the power of his name. You know, as, as, when, when my kids used to go out and, you know, they needed to, as they say, some authority, they would use my name. They could sign my name. My kids sign my name better than I do, by the way. My wife. She can sign my name. And it got a little bit of juice behind it, about 50 cents worth. But they can use the authority of my name to move them into places and get stuff based on my name. Well, Jesus says that all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Jesus has all the authority that is in heaven and in earth, and now we operate by his name. Look, 
look, look, look. Turn to, to, to John chapter 14. I want to show you why when we pray and we pray in Jesus' name or when we do anything in his name, we are operating by his power and under his authority. Remember the passage where it says, Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Look, look here. This is when we learn about his name, the authority of his name. John chapter 14, verses nine, verse 9. And I got eight minutes, nine, nine. Oh, let me start at verse eight. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Let me stop right there. You see, Jesus is operating under the authority of the Father. He speaks in his Father's name. He said, let me keep going. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me this. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Watch verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So the believer who asks in faith according to the will of God has the authority, has the authority given to him by Jesus to sign Jesus' name. That's why when we pray, we pray in Jesus' name. Look, go a little further. I'm going to show you another one. Um, go to John 16. Uh, verse 23. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. One more. First John five fourteen. It's important that we understand what's going on, and that's why I'm taking my I'm taking the time to do this, but it's really, really important that you understand that we're not just, you know, as they say, just in the name of Jesus we pray, amen, and just like we, like in the name of Jesus, some magic dust or something. No, we are doing as commanded, as led by the Holy Spirit. What did I say, 1 John 5? Yeah. 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, 
he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So when we ask, we ask knowing, we ask expecting. We ain't signing bounce checks. We're signing in the name of Jesus because this is his will. Now somebody said, well, you know, you, you see people out there asking, you know, I'm praying for a Lamborghini in Jesus' name. How is, that the, is that the will of God for you? Are you being led by the Holy Spirit? Or are you being led by your lust? James says, we have not because we ask not. And when we ask, we ask amiss because we want to consume it on our own lust. And what he's trying to say is, you know what? This is for kingdom business. And, and you know, don't think that God, was, uh, uh, as they say, we, we take a vow of poverty and that God doesn't want us to enjoy anything on this earth. No. It says, seek first the kingdom of God. What does it say? Your father knows the things that you have need of. You can expect my God to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. But we've got this thing twisted. We've got it fixed so whereas, you know, I... I if, if God don't do what I want him to do, then I'm going to have an attitude or, you know, I must be doing something wrong and I got to go and I got to flip and I got to go give this and I got to go give that. No, you got to go get yourself in line with the word of God. You've got to get yourself working according to the will of God. That's his plan. He wants us to prosper even as our souls prosper. But prosperity doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, that you're going to get that 18-bedroom house or anything like that. No, because that, that probably would kill you anyway. But anyway, so he says to them, you rejected them, but there is salvation in no one else. Nobody else has the power to rescue you. Let me read, let me read a little bit more. So I, because I got a little bit ahead of myself there. Um, to do, to do, Acts chapter four is where I'm at. Verse seven. And when they had set them up in the midst, they acquired by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, "Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means?" means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that you reject, that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Look, let me define salvation, and then I'm going to call it a night. Salvation is deliverance or preservation from danger and destruction. When we talk about being saved, we are talking about being saved from the guilt of and the power of sin 
and eternal damnation. We are talking about being saved from the wrath of God. We are talking about, he says, because the wrath of God is revealed. It also says that, that the wages of sin is death. Salvation means that we have been rescued from the power of sin, that we have been redeemed from our sin penalty, that we've been redeemed from our sin penalty, and that we've been delivered from the power of death, from punishment, from misery, and the consequences of sin, we've been delivered. That's what we talk about when we talk about salvation. And we have been given eternal life and the blessedness of entering the kingdom. Ooh, my 30 minutes is up, and so I've got to stop right here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check out right where I'm stopping tonight, which is right about, um, let's see, where, where do we stop off? Verse 12. Now, there's no other way that a person can be saved except by the name of Jesus. We'll talk about that some more next week. But need to know, are there any questions? Are there any questions? I told you, if you guys don't ask me questions, and you can call me on uh, 929-477-2304. 929-477-2304. This is your question and answer period. Or those of you out there on Facebook Live, you can ask a question, and I'll, and I got my good glasses on so I can see. Questions. You know, I'll tell you, it is just a privilege and an honor to teach. Um, and it's really, really tough getting all this in in a half an hour because I'd like to be covering a, about a chapter a week, but that first week we fell behind, and it's, um, it's, 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 it's a little bit tough, but that's okay. Hey, look, if you've got no questions, uh, I'm going to continue next week. We'll pick up at Acts chapter 4, verse 13. I'll spend a few minutes tying this whole thing together, uh, but let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name we come, and we come to bless you, we come to thank you, and we come to praise you. We bless you tonight, God, because you told us that, we, that there would be trials and tribulations, but you, and you also told us where to expect them from, and you told us, God, that, that in that hour that you would speak through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, in Acts, in Acts we see that you did that, that you empowered them to witness, and then you gave them holy boldness to stand before that council. We thank you, O oh God, that you'll do the same to us, that you will allow us to advance the kingdom through testifying of your goodness. We thank you, O oh God, that, that, that you will do signs and wonders through us. 
Because your word says that these signs shall follow them that believe. And we believe, O oh God. We believe that you'll do miracles. That miracles will be manifested in us and through us. That we might get the opportunity to proclaim your word. Father, we ask that you would do it through us. We ask that, O oh God, that that you would take over our mouths, that you would take over our hearts, that you would allow us to stand in the midst of persecution and bring deliverance and blessedness to those who, whom you have called. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, that's it for this evening. I will admonish you, or, or, or not admonish, but I will encourage you to go to my YouTube channel and that you become a subscriber. You become a subscriber because there will be times when uh, something will come up and you can't get right to the Bible study. And rather than have to search all over uh, the place for 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 um for the uh, uh, the teaching, you can go right to the YouTube channel, and soon there's going to be another place that you can go. But I want to make sure that there's the, the continuity of the teaching, that you don't miss anything. And then also, these teachings are good for your family, for family members. They're especially good if, you, if you've got an, a senior at home who can't get around or somebody who, who basically works nights or can't get, want to study their Bible. You know, the, it becomes portable teaching. And that's really what we're after. We're going to do whatever is necessary to teach this word and advance the kingdom of God. Well, that's it. God bless you. God keep you. And I'll see you again next week with the word on Wednesday. Amen.